0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast. And welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, the show that's all about sex and health. Hi, it's Warren McGrath, registered nurse and sex expert. The benefits of sex range from slashing your stress levels to decreasing your risk of chronic illness and heart disease. Sex facilitates bondings bonding and bondings and feelings of intimacy with your partner this kind of connectedness does more than make you feel warm and fuzzy it boost your overall health too okay with that opener it's the cue to please put the children to bed grab your lover stay tuned Also, remember, although I will be talking about lots of different health subjects on the program tonight, always see your health care provider for anything that ails you. This show does not serve as medical advice by any stretch of the imagination. Your imagination is critical, however, in a lot of the things that I talk about on the program. But tonight we're going to be talking about eggs Um, and, and there's some new research out about eggs. You might not think that's sexy, but I actually have a five egg White, three low glycemic index omelet practically every morning. And uh, I was being forced to eat the yolks, which I don't even like them anyway, but also because I thought it might increase cholesterol. Nonetheless, we're going to get to that and I'm going to sort out that research with Dr. John Weisler, talking also about the inflammatory aspect of sugar. Um, And so I love sugar, but you know what? It can be problematic for many things. Talking masturbation, sexual pain, breaking up, More sex misconceptions, because I have to teach you every week and keep you up on things. And the various and different types of orgasms, ladies. But also, remember, put those children to bed. Consult your health care provider before making any decisions um, about anything. Now, if you have any questions at all, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399. I also have joining me in the studio tonight at 830 a very special guest, Kira McCormack. You've perhaps heard of her if you know anything about soccer. Um, you've perhaps heard about the allegations that she has uncapped under the white caps. And we're going to be talking all about uh, what what went on there allegedly and Um, what she'd like to see, what changes she'd like to see potentially in Canadian women's soccer.
1: And now, Maureen's health
0: headline. Absolutely. So lots to cover on the program, but right now I want to talk about an egg study. I, uh, that I saw, in part because I eat about 20 to 30 eggs a week, mostly egg whites, but I've gone back to yolks, folks. So Dr. John Weisler is a cardiologist, and he's going to help me figure out this research study, this latest study on eggs, and we've had many different ones. Hello, Dr. Weisler. Oh, hello, Marianne. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining me. Um, so, should we be eating eggs? Do they raise our cholesterol? And the advice keeps changing. So what can we do about that?
1: Yeah, so this is, I mean, following the, I think if you try to follow the science, it gets pretty confusing because eggs are sort of on again, off again, you know, and and I think um, the bottom line is everything in moderation or eggs in moderation. Uh, There was a recent uh, study that, um, again, was hard on eggs. There was a, it was a, A long observational study of almost 30,000 men and women, uh, and they followed them for uh, a long time I think 20 years and they showed that eating a little, like as little as half an egg a day could increase a person's risk of heart disease and stroke and cardiovascular death. Um, This was an observational study where they follow people over a long time and they really were looking at dietary cholesterol and dietary fat, which carried a risk increase. And then, when they looked a little bit in a little bit more detail, they showed this association with eggs. But depending on how you look at these nutritional studies, you know, different studies give different answers. So, this study doesn't sound very good, it sounds concerning. There are other studies, though, which are a little bit more precise, where you where you um, have moderate egg consumption, and that doesn't appreciably raise your um, egg cholesterol levels. So nutritional studies are conflicting and they're challenging because they're hard to do because there's so many different components of diet. And so the, uh, the best answer, I think, is that uh, egg consumption in moderation. So the number they suggest is three to five a week uh, is okay. Higher levels might be okay because there's individual variability. So I don't know, marine About twenty. That sounds like uh, a good <laughs> number. Although, uh, mind you, I, I love eggs myself, so I don't know. But um, the the other suggestion that comes out of a lot of this discussion is that different people respond respond differently. Uh, so uh, some people are very sensitive to the cholesterol eggs, and some people are not.
0: Right. And, you know, I eat, honestly, I eat about five a day. So, you know, it can be upwards of, of 30, but mo- it's mostly been egg whites. It's always been egg whites until the last couple of months. I've added the yolks. So it's been about, you know, maybe five to seven egg yolks a week, um, so which was concerning. The other reason I'm concerned, Dr. Weissler, is because I have a lot of men who see me in my clinical practice. You probably have this as well, uh, men who present with erectile dysfunction, the canary mm. in the coal mine for heart disease, um, hypertension, di- type 2 diabetes. And so I often suggest for them the all, what I call the all-in diet. Now I've taken a lot of time trying to figure this diet out, and it does include... Um, the egg white omelets, but I had added in, and many of these men have type 2 diabetes and they have cardiovascular disease, they have hypertension. I had added in the liberty of them having the yolks, so now I'm, I'm rethinking that because the yolks could be different, um, the impact on somebody who has type 2 diabetes. They may be more sensitive to this. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think um, the most important thing for, for all of us are to know our numbers, which includes our cholesterol, And the egg yolks versus egg whites are, you know, a complicated discussion. So the egg whites carry a lot of protein, which is good for us and helps to, you know, um, help us to build muscle mass, which can help to make us more responsive to our own insulin and help to control our and reduce our risk of type two diabetes and improve its control if we have it. The egg yolks they have a lot more in them, so they have a lot of nutrients which can be good for us. Um, They have very little in the way of carbohydrates and they have only a little bit of salt, so they do have some. You know, nutritional benefits, uh, I think most important for whatever the person's doing, I think there's still possibly a role for egg yolk, um, but it's important to know both your cholesterol and your your blood glucose numbers. And if you make big changes in your diet, you know, after a sort of one to two month period, you might consider retesting your, your numbers, so your sugar and your, uh, your cholesterol. Eggs are always um, studied or focused on because they have a high amount of cholesterol in them. They have about 200 milligrams of cholesterol. The old advice used to be to try to limit your entire daily intake of cholesterol to less than 300 milligrams, especially if you had trouble with high cholesterol, if you had heart disease. More recent research shows that your daily intake of cholesterol is maybe less important, so how much you eat actually has less of an effect on your blood levels. The more important factor is saturated fat and that's more important to watch and particularly the trans fats which we all I think know are are bad and are are harmful.
0: And that's right you know you mentioned eggs are so nutritious they're so good for us they are low calorie they have 72 calories in a in a large egg you get Six grams of protein or more. Um, You know, it has potassium, phosphorus, vitamins A and D, and and other B vitamins, which are critical to uh, memory and, you know, anti aging, those types of things. Um, Macular degeneration, there can be some protection against age related macular degeneration, which is a vision issue. Um, So it's, yeah, so it's important to have that balance, but I think you make a good point in terms of. Uh, having your blood levels tested prior to and then perhaps making the changes adding in some eggs or, mm-hmm. or, or not i i've actually considered going to have a cholesterol check uh, just to make sure that the the egg yolks that I'm eating because I know they're nutritious i don't i don't particularly like them the yolks so that's mm-hmm. one of the problems but but i've've i'm acquiring a taste
1: um, yeah there's really pros and cons to a lot of different foods and the the biggest factor um, in nutrition research and nutritional advice is sort of shifting away from focusing on one particular ingredient and really a dietary pattern. So, if you choose foods with unsaturated fats and stay away from saturated fats more frequently, and these unsaturated or sorry saturated fats are what you see in you know in, in red meat. Um, if you eat grains, if you if you eat more whole grains and less sort of white bread and refined carbohydrates, that's a healthier eating pattern. And then the impact of a few eggs is probably modest. And these nutritional the studies are all done differently. So this most recent one that gave eggs, sort of said eggs were more of a concern, it was a long-term association study. And they didn't really tell you in the paper what else was associated with the eggs. So a good point that you know some of the discussion of this has made is if you have fried eggs in the morning, with bacon and, you know, other and fried, maybe fried potatoes or something, that's maybe less healthy. If you had sort of eggs or egg whites, and you had them with, you know, some low fat yogurt or some, some grains or something, it's probably a more healthy food choice and probably wouldn't be that bad.
0: Absolutely. And I I talk a lot about diet to my patients. I don't know if you do the same um, with Mm -hmm. yours. I imagine you do.
1: Yeah, it certainly comes up for sure. That's always step one. I mean, we, we all, you know, we need to control our risk factors and try to live well. And um, you know, medications can always play a role, but step one is always diet and, and exercise. And I think the Mediterranean diet has the best evidence in terms of avoiding heart health, which is my fo- or I'm sorry, improving heart health, which is my focus as a cardiologist. There are other specific things, you know, you, if some people can do very well with a vegan diet or um, a low glycemic, glycemic load diet, so low in sugar. So there's different diets are right for different people and different food choices, but that's always step one. Yeah, and, and how help you like
0: absolutely. And of course, the patients that I see often present with erectile dysfunction. And, and that's where I begin. And, you know, it's amazing some of the dietary habits I hear from these men, which are, you know, meat five, six times a week, mm-hmm. uh, two gallons of milk, 12 cups of coffee a day, um, you know, high fat, ice cream, chips, eating until one o'clock in the morning. So I've heard so many different um, poor nutrition Habits um, that that people are living, and then they're wondering, you know, why they have um, erectile dysfunction. But sex is the great motivator, and so it
1: is. Yes, it is indeed. Yeah, I had um, a patient a couple of weeks ago that uh, I did a quick dietary inquiry with him. T- told me that uh, over half his plate, he loved mashed potatoes. He had them um, something like six uh, nights a week, and he had over half his plate mashed potatoes, and he had seconds. You know, so that <laughs> explains some of his weight. Yes, potatoes could be okay in moderation, but that was that was a bit excessive.
0: Yes, it does explain some of that, and I'm sure that he was slathering on the butter as well. Um, well, as always, Dr. Weisler, thank you so much for joining me on the program tonight and uh, sorting out the egg issue.
1: You're welcome, Marine. Thanks for having me.
0: I really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. If you have any questions for me, the number to call, 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. It is a free call across Canada. Also, you can email me, at hotmail.com and I will be reading some emails a little bit later on in the program. But right now, I am delighted to have joining me in the studio to share her story, Kira McCormack. She is a former Whitecaps woman and Ireland national team player. She has blown the whistle on bullying and allegations of inappropriate behavior on the part of a former Whitecaps and under twenty national women's Canadian team coach. These are allegations; none of it has been proven in court. Thanks so much for joining me in the studio, Kira.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. So uh, this is a, you wrote a blog post effectively about Canadian women's soccer that nobody wants to hear, but everybody should listen. And it went viral. Yeah. It took you a long time, I understand, to actually not only craft that 7,000 word, I I, I write, I I blog, (laughs) I know what it's, I I write three to 500 words, 7,000 words, gripping throughout the entire story of the allegations of what you say has occurred in Canadian women's soccer. So tell me a little bit about that background, your experience. um, and, And this is no slouch, is it Yale? University grad and a UConn <laughs> grad as well. University of Connecticut, uh, masters in uh, from the University of Connecticut as well. So, uh, tell me what happened.
2: Um, yeah, so I I grew up in Vancouver. I was a high level player. Um, I had uh, aspirations of playing for Canada. Um, I did go down to the U.S. and play uh, university soccer at Yale and the University of Connecticut. And uh, basically, I came back. I played professionally in Denmark for a couple of years. Um, and I came back uh, and there was a coach that I had um with the I played for the white caps women. Um, there was a training group of us with the under twenty national team, um Canadian team, and the white caps. I just want
0: to mention that the white caps are a national uh, they're they're a vancouver based, yeah, national soccer,
2: yeah. Team. yeah. Yeah. So the Whitecaps were like the club team and it was sort of the pathway. If you wanted to play for Canada, the Whitecaps were sort of the club team that you had to play for in order to get there. So
0: here in Vancouver, here
2: in Vancouver. Yeah. Yes. So it was a lot. So the, um, a lot of the Canadian women's national team players that people would have heard of like Christine Sinclair or mm-hmm. Carl Lang from a couple years ago or a few years ago now. But, um, anyways, and so basically we had a coach, um, When I had him, um, I I just felt like his behavior um, just kind of got more and more, I'd describe as bullying, intimidation, that type of thing. Um, And again, sort of as a young player, you don't really know what's appropriate and not appropriate, but I think... I kind of, it just felt more and more like we had no power, you know, a big abuse of power. A lot of people felt silenced. Um, When people did try and speak up, there was playing consequences. Um, And obviously, it was really important to be performing well with this team to get a chance to play for Canada. And that's why everybody was playing at the time with the Whitecaps. And so, um, I just kind of hit the breaking point. Um, I had a, another passport. I had the, my Irish passport. So I knew if I was to walk away from it and if I was to speak up and say something, that my playing career wasn't finished um, internationally and that I had the option. Um, and so it just hit the point. Um, my breaking point that I talked about in the blog was when I was with a teammate um, and it had been building up, and there was a lot of different situations that I outlined in the blog to do with you know younger players getting bullied to miss school, and um, you know being expected to you know run all over Vancouver doing free appearances for the team, and um, and there was also this uh,
0: notion in the that you mentioned in the blog that um, this particular coach. Um, well, he got you on the team, therefore he had the power to keep you on the team. And so that can be intimidating. Oh,
2: absolutely. And that got, I mean, that was something that was consistently said to many of us, you know, I'm the reason basically that you're here. And for me, there was just that inappropriate insinuation then that like, I'm the person that can also take that opportunity away. And again, you kind of, you're sort of not sure, but then you do. You like you do kind of know in your gut that's not right. That's not appropriate, and you feel silenced, and you feel that stuff's going on, and it isn't right.
0: You also mentioned inappropriate behavior, and one of them was uh, text messages to uh, underage girls, essentially um to meet in a hotel room to have a meeting in a hotel room
2: or well so it, it kind of how how the story, allegations the, how this yeah this the how it went the story went it was 2007 there was a buildup of of situations I had a teammate that I was with getting like I was carpooling with that got really bullied um she basically raised some concerns about living accommodations for the summer and basically he just tore a strip off of her and she was like hysterically sobbing in the car so for me at that point that was like my breaking point where I'm like like, this is just not right. And, and I, everybody's silenced. And I, if it means walking away from this, I need to speak up and say something. Um, I did go with this teammate to Bob Lanarduzzi, who was the president of the White Caps at the time. Um, there was nothing sexual at all at that point. It was just pure abuse of power, bullying. Um, we told him what was going on. We asked him not to say anything. My, my teammate was staying in Vancouver. I had decided to leave already. Um, but so I was concerned about my teammate that was staying because I knew if he found out that we had gone to the management that she would have been in trouble playing time wise and so we find out a couple of days later that Bob Leonarduzzi did tell this coach and um, my teammate did get benched that summer because of it and that sort of set the tone that there was not really anybody that we could trust so as things carried on I left Vancouver uh, and then it kind of it, it, it went into the under 20 national team the lead up to the under 20 world cup so they were in town in Vancouver the whole year training um, and that's when things started to, you know, based on the the blog that's been released since, but I started to hear things about inappropriate sexual texts and just really inappropriate, unprofessional behavior, um, that not only that you'd expect at the national team level, but at any level. Um, so I started to hear things and then it basically, um, and the things that have come out since in terms of what the, what the players that were on the team at that time said, there were things like, um, uh, the one 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 player uh, wasn't starting, and basically, when uh, you know, got called into a meeting with him one on one in a hotel room. Which again, as a soccer player, you, you always meet in public places. So already, that's uncomfortable. And the door got shut behind her, and and she was sort of said he said to her, you know, what are you willing to do to start? And so she left, you know, the room pretty quickly after that, and left the team because she felt that was super inappropriate. Um, another player saw him rubbing the thigh of a teammate um, you know obviously very inappropriate um, another player was told by him that you know how good her body looked in the white jersey because it was raining and how he picked that color like white especially because it was raining that day so just things that were obviously extremely inappropriate and crossing long, major lines
0: yes and long before the hashtag me too long before as well um, yeah and and it also i, I do want to remind the listeners again that none of these elements allegations have been proven in a court of law, but I also want to say that uh, this happens in in every arena, but did we think it happened on the soccer pitch as well? You know, mm-hmm. and did we think, do we think it happens in hospitals? Do we think it happens, you know, in um, on airplanes? Do mm-hmm. we think it happens everywhere? This mm-hmm. is the thing. And it's so challenging to speak up for mm-hmm. somebody to speak up, but you did through a blog yeah. and blogs <laughs> are very powerful. They
2: are I'm very grateful for them because I think even, you know, when all this happened in 2008, Eight. So how it sort of unfolded then was that I told a teammate, Andrea Neal, who uh, was a national team captain. She just retired. She told a coach that was with the Canadian Soccer Association and that kind of raised the alarm bell. And then a couple of us got interviewed by a mediator. They called her um, and, you know, we told what we had heard. And then basically then we heard that um, we were told that he wasn't going to be allowed to coach again and that they were, you know, terminating his contract. But then it came out in the media a October 2008, um, you know, six weeks before the girls were leaving to go to the under 20 World Cup that he uh, had mutually parted ways with the Whitecaps and the Canadian Soccer Association. So obviously how it got, you know, put out into the public was very different to what we had been told behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Um, And then basically that coach then, you know, we found out a couple of months later was back on the field with teenage girls and was there for the last 11 years till I wrote the blog and the day after I wrote the blog, he was suspended from the club.
0: Okay and so I was going to say we're we're Sorry both, for jumping we're both ahead. That's okay. We're both Irish girls. I'll I'll step you back and, you know with that wild Irish rose which we often are there are thorns. Right. And so it actually you know you were very upset when you learned that he was back on the field or on the pitch um coaching young mm. young girls and and young women and but you ran into somebody at 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 Whole Foods and Tell me about her.
2: Yeah, well, how it happened after that was that in 2011, I I went back actually and played a season with the Whitecaps. And then... At this point, it was very well known in Vancouver that this coach was back coaching. So I had said something to the owner and the management of the Whitecaps. I'd written a letter telling them, you know, again, I knew they knew why he'd been let go and he's back coaching. And then I had another exchange in 2012 with Rachel Lewis, who's the chief operating officer for the Whitecaps. So I had tried to reach out a couple of times in 2011, 2012. Um, And I think part of it was just the fact that we had... It took so much and like so much courage even for him to, you know, for people to speak up in 2008. Mm -hmm. So then to, you know, know he's back on the field and just to feel so helpless about it. So, um, yeah, so how it then ended up, I had written the blog a few times over the years, but I just never had the courage to send it just because I knew obviously there was, I didn't know what the ramifications, I figured something was going to happen. And then it was CBC did a big story about abuse in sport in Canada and I felt it was so overdue. I tweeted something. I got put on CBC The National asking a question of the National Sport Associations um, about, you know, could they properly investigate themselves in cases, which I obviously knew from experience they couldn't. Um, And then the answers these experts gave were just, you know, oh, there's policies on the website and um, go tell somebody who will call the police. And I knew all this stuff from being at ground zero wasn't true. Um, So I just was really again the Irish anger (laughs) coursing through my blood or whatever. Um, I went to the Whole Foods on the on the Monday after I had been on CBC the National asking the question and getting those subpar responses. And I you know sat down and hammered out my seven thousand word blog and included I you know kept meticulous details with the emails and everything over the years. I think just on the hope at some point we'd be heard you know. And um, so I you know typed out the blog again. Wasn't positive I was going to you know but I. knew I'm like, this is the last time I'm writing this blog. I'm either publishing it or I'm just finding a way to walk away from this situation and not have it eat me up anymore. Um, And then sure enough, I was on my way out the door at Whole Foods, wanted to get some cookies and went back. And then I was standing in the checkout line and there was a girl looking at me. And um, finally, she's like, are you Kira McCormack? And I said, I am. Um, Who are you? And it turned out she was 10 years. So yeah, about 10 years younger than me um, had played on like the youth national team, provincial teams. And anyways, we just started chatting in the, line at Whole Foods, and I said to her, you know, um, did you ever have this coach? Um, it's so weird running into you because I just spent the whole afternoon writing this blog and she like got teary and she said, "Kara, like I've been in therapy the last couple of years because of this guy and the bullying and whatever I experienced with him as my coach and how he, you know, really had a destructive influence on my soccer career. And I just felt, you know, of like the, all the checkout lines at Whole Foods and I never went in there that often. I found out later she never did. I just felt like this is a sign from the universe. Just trust it and publish the blog and whatever's meant to happen will happen You hit publish and it and went I did. viral. And, <laughs> and we're
0: going to talk a little bit about what happens uh, to people who have been bullied or have had inappropriate things occur, and also um, what validation means to you and what and what it meant to you with what some of the fans did. I'm still joined in the studio by Kiara McCormick. She is a former Whitecaps woman. The Whitecaps is a major league uh, national soccer. Team in Vancouver. Um, she is a whitecaps woman, an Ireland national team player. She has blown the whistle on bullying and inappropriate behavior, all of which are allegations at this point as nothing has been proven in court. All of this relates to a former white caps and under 20 national women's Canadian team coach. Uh, so we've, we've talked about the story. She's written a blog. Kara. Um, thanks so much for staying in the studio. Um, for those who have not read the blog, where can people go to read that blog? I retweeted it on Twitter at back the number to the bedroom. So you can go there, but where's the original
2: place? Um, it's just my personal blog, which which is c-i-a-r-a-m-c-c-o-r-m-a-c-k.com.
0: dot okay. com. Head on over there and I suggest you read that blog. Um, so we've talked about the story. If you've missed that, um, go to the blog. But uh, oftentimes these are allegations of bullying and inappropriate sexual invitations potentially. Um, and power, abuse of power, power Mm -hmm. over, especially when people are vulnerable and who's more vulnerable than the little ones, nobody, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, especially, uh, young women who have competed to get where they are and Mm -hmm. then they're told, Hey, I'm the one who got you on this team. Mm -hmm. I can get you off. So it can be threatening. And it's a psychological campaign for a lot of people who are targeted and, you know, maybe potentially somebody can target an entire team or entire group. Mm -hmm. Um, and oftentimes, Um, people who have been targets of bullying will experience um, anxiety and depression and fear and poor decision-making. And um, they may have, um, you know, a heightened vestibular system. And so they, they might not be sleeping well, they may um, get easily roused. Um, And so you ran into somebody, and that was the who had actually experienced some of those symptoms, mm-hmm. and, and you lived with all of this. So, which you couldn't do. You couldn't do. You know, eventually it was going to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you experience any of those symptoms? Those physical or emotional symptoms that uh, people who have been bullied experience.
2: Yeah. And I think what's really interesting for me is now just having language to describe what had happened, because I think a lot of times there's the impression that, you know, unless you got raped in a back alley somewhere that you weren't abused. And I think Um, psychological abuse isn't talked about. And I think, um, yeah, so I think just the relief that I had after writing the blog made me really realize and reflect back on the experience that I'd had and having a lot of those sort of, you know, kind of depression, anxiety, those sorts of things um, after that whole situation and sort of, again, not having the language to even really know what had happened um, or what would the, how you'd even describe it or even that it was something that was traumatic.
0: Mm -hmm. Often people describe heart racing or hair falling out, weight loss. um, So many physical symptoms can happen. So one of the things that I think is so helpful in terms of bullying um, is validation. Mm -hmm. So you got some really um, significant validation. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I had told the story so many times over the last few years, um, obviously trying to tell the management and then move, you know, moving on as the years went on. Um, you know, we tried to go in and tell the sports organizations, um, talking to the media and it was always, you know, there just wasn't the response that sort of matched what you felt inside was how wrong it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you do start to feel like you're a little bit crazy or you're over exaggerating things, or maybe it just wasn't even a big deal. And so I have to say that, you know, like just to even how the, the blog went viral and I think like 60,000 people now or something have read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, and you know, when, when, people were describing it on Twitter, like that's horrible, that's horrific. I can't be, like, this is an awful story. And to sort of see that in writing that, you know, again, that validation, like you said, that people are actually, you're not going crazy. And this actually was a terrible thing that happened. Um, that was, you know, I think a really massive healing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to, with the Southsiders and, and the Whitecaps fans and how everyone's rallied around us. And, and the Southsiders are the number one fan group of the They're the biggest fan group Whitecaps. and a, a historical fan group for the Whitecaps. So and what did they do? Yeah, they have they approached myself and another player and asked us to, um, you know, what they could do to help us. And they had these ideas and, um, you know, basically were just very kind and asking us if what they could do to support us, wanting to support us. And another group, Curva Collective, another supporter group had written a letter supporting us. Um, and anyways, both groups, uh, kind of rallied the general public and they've started organizing these uh, walkouts. And that's basically what sort of driven all this media interest lately, because, um, it's just not a very common thing. You know, it's their traditional, you know, beer drinking, hardcore soccer fans, but yet they've taken on this, you know, cause and and they're defending these women that had these things happen that nobody was paying attention to or listening to. And so, um, yeah. So again, that sort of validation, I, I think we all, Got very emotional seeing them leave the stadium in the 35th minute the first time that they did it. Just again, like you said, to finally feel heard when you've right. talked about it and to have that visual of people walking out of a stadium in support of you and and what you and your friends have been through. I think was very powerful.
0: Exactly. And ticket sales were down significantly as well. Were yeah, they, um, down so well. Um, you know the power of one. Your 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 little voice. Your big blog. <laughs> um, you know, hopefully, will change a lot. Kira McCormick. Thank you so much. Much for joining me in the studio we hope uh, to see some changes and um, everybody should be treated with respect in this world and again I just want to remind listeners that this is these are allegations nothing's been proven in court how could people get in touch with you um Twitter I think is the yeah. easiest way at this point okay yeah. and that's uh, at Kira McCormick yeah all right, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing the story. And we'll be following this. And I think it's stories like these, we can't let just let them have, be topical. They have to we have to carry this conversation, much like the ball is carried on the soccer pitch. Thank you, Kira. Again, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Hill Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app.